show episode number 185 my name is john morgan cold coffee is not with me but that doesn't mean you won't be hearing from him we'll check in with cold coffee later on he is traveling all around the northeast bellator's got these back-to-back shows uh, in connecticut and long island and uh, there were some media in manhattan as well so cold coffee's up there with mike bond and uh, dave mandel as well the longtime Sure dog photographer that uh, is kind of doing some more freelance gigs these days. He's up there working for us as well. So an old school veteran of the game, Dave Mandel, helping us out. So those two guys are handling the back-to-back Bellator shows. I am back home in Las Vegas coming to you from my office. <laughs> Not a uh, particularly sexy location this evening, but hey, when you're when you're sitting by yourself talking, it's, it's bad enough. And if you want to go into a, a restaurant or get you know a bar or something along those lines, and then throw on your headphones and talk to yourself. People judge you. I'm just gonna say, people judge. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, John Morgan. Where in the hell was 184 and a half? How the hell do you not do a post-fight show for UFC 229? And you know what? You are right. <laughs> Man, I cannot tell you how ready I was to talk about UFC 229. Had all my gear with me, had everything uh, ready to do it, but uh, unfortunately, we just ran out of time. Myself and Cold Coffee were working until about 6 o'clock in the morning. You can imagine what happened. After the skirmish, everything changed. Uh, the big bosses at USA Today, of course, they were paying attention as well. You know, They wanted some content. They wanted some, some different things done, so we ended up working pretty damn late that night and uh, unfortunately just ran out of time at some, at some point, uh, sleep. <laughs> sleep is needed that was a long week so crashed about six o'clock in the morning and then i actually thought about getting together with cold coffee in the afternoon and saying man why don't we just do a little little post-fight recap in the afternoon and uh you know maybe be a little late to the party but at least we get it out there but i gotta be honest my wife and son were looking at me and kind of expecting me to be a father and wonder where and a husband and wonder where the hell i'd been all week and uh so to be honest with you i felt kind of guilty i thought well I guess I better. I guess I better work on this marriage and, and work, work on being a father to my son. So the and a half didn't happen, unfortunately. But I don't know. We got to work on that. I got. I got to talk with the bosses at, at MMA Junkie. Maybe we can get this bad boy as part of the official MMA Junkie offerings instead of a little side project, so that we can schedule out some time to do it. We got. We got to fix something, right? We got to. Got to be able to get to that post fight content. It was a crazy night. Listen, I know it seems it's not over yet. You know, sometimes. I hate looking too far back because, uh, you know, things move on, stories move forward, and, and there are things to talk about this week as well. But, you know, this this stuff is still going on with Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. Of course, we, you know, we, we know that the uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission meets on October the 24th. That was their regularly scheduled meeting, so that's when this will all be handled. Uh, just for those of you who are wondering, it'll be at 9 a.m. Eastern time here in Las Vegas. Myself and Cold Coffee will be there for that. Um, that's when we'll hear what happens. That's when all these uh, issues will be dealt with, and, and uh, I would imagine they would figure something out at that point. Um, and, and we're not going to get any resolution until then. You know, there's a uh, <clears throat> temporary suspension right now. That's really just an administrative thing. If you've heard about this 10-day suspension that both Habib and, and Connor are under right now, that's really just an administrative thing. Uh, basically, make sure that nothing, you know, they don't they don't book anything, and uh, which they wouldn't be anyway. But 
just gives a chance to put them on the calendar and say, hey, we, we got to do it. But everything will happen in a public hearing. Um, we'll certainly stream it. Um, you know, I know there was a time that uh, Fight Pass would stream big commission meetings as well. I don't know that they'd really want to do that. And it's also expensive to do that. It costs labor and those sort of things to go do that. I don't know if they will or not. I, I, it kind of just crossed my mind, to be honest with you, as I was thinking about it. But at the very least, MMA Junkie will have you covered. And that's when we'll find out what's going to happen. I can't imagine a real lengthy suspension uh, for either guy. You know, Habib, certainly the, the aggressor in this situation. And we've been talking about it all week. Did a lot more MMA Junkie radio this week. Uh, I'm trying to spend more time there when I'm in town with those boys and, and uh, get to talk a little bit more MMA. But, you know, we talked about the immediate aftermath as well. I mean, Habib Nurmagomedov was definitely wrong in what he did. There's no question about it. Uh, you cannot justify anything, uh, you know, leaping over the fence and, and attacking anybody. There's just no way for you to say that that's okay. Um, but at the same time, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, the guy had been, you know, the target of, of mocking and, and uh you know, some some personal insults, and you know, I guess that's part of the game. But it it did get a little personal, time, You know, talking about countries and religions and and all those things. So, you know, I think he snapped at that moment, and it's a shame because, you know, for this past week, that's all anybody's really talking about instead of the performance that Habib had, and I, I find that to be sad. You know, I, I think this was a phenomenal performance. I mean, dominating performance. Yes, Conor McGregor did win the third round. Um, but, you know, I didn't feel like Habib was ever really in trouble. He did take a few big shots and, and didn't seem to bother him. Of course, the grappling game was on point, as you would expect it to be, and really just a, a thoroughly dominating win. But, you know, unfortunately, he, he lost control of his of himself. And, uh, you know, I, it's interesting because uh, I've been checking um, I, the pay-per-view. I, I bought it digitally, and normally um, – they eventually add in the alternate camera angles and alternate audios and all that stuff so you can check it out. And I haven't seen those added to, to USC yet. I've been checking on it um, because I'm interested too. You know, there's a, there's a big case you made. You know, Habib went after Dylan Dennis, but, you know, was Dylan Dennis really saying anything? I mean, did, did he say something out of the ordinary? I think, um, you know, John Cavanaugh took to Twitter to say, to kind of defend his guy a little bit and say, you know, how could anybody possibly have heard what was going on in there? You know, so loud. And, you know, sometimes acoustics are a little bit different depending on where you're standing. But, um, I mean, I kind of agree. So, you know, was it premeditated? Was this something that he was planning on doing anyway? That was one of the things I wanted to ask him at the post-fight press conference. Of course, you know, he basically uh, answered uh, one question and <laughs> then left. Um, so, you know, we never really got to ask. It was kind of premeditated. Maybe he wouldn't have even answered it anyway you know what I'm saying maybe maybe I mean I guess that would kind of be admitting that you were planning on doing something wrong so maybe he wouldn't have said anything anyway but I don't know not to justify because you know I think Dylan had had, uh, had said some things in social media and, and, and you know again there were some personal things said that maybe went too far but um, I mean he'll be, he'll be messed up here but you know he's a man I can understand why he snapped so I, I certainly don't judge him for it I don't I think it's out of character for him um, but I think it's unfortunate because I think, you know, this would have been kind of a star building performance instead. It's controversy, but controversy does sell. Uh, the other thing I think it did is I think it got Conor McGregor a rematch. Now, I don't know if that fight will happen right away. Maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So certainly part of that's going to depend on what happens with Abib in front of the commission, but I do believe that there will be a rematch now, uh, because there's so much interest. There's so much discussion over this 
And I think had had Connor, had, had Connor lost the way he did and then Habib had just kept his cool, um, I don't think people would be calling for that fight again. You know, Habib could could say, hey, man, I told you guys what I was going to do. I showed, you know, I showed all along that this guy was never the guy. And, you know, if, I don't think people would demand a rematch. But now I think people are going to want to see it, which is a shame, especially for Tony Ferguson, because I think you got to get Tony Ferguson in there. you got to get Tony Ferguson in for a title fight somehow, some way. I know that we have issues getting that fight together with Tony Ferguson to be, but but you got to do it. So we'll see what happens with this. <laughs> You know, I'm 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 guessing, I'm guessing, six months. I mean, sometimes it sucks because there's not really you know rules in place, so to speak, where you just know exactly what's going on, and and that's something that I think you know I, I wish we had more consistency consistency with, and that of course that goes with Usada and all that. I mean, I don't know, it just you you. you I understand that you have to judge things on a case-by-case basis and you have to take into account everything that's happening and all that. I, I get all that. I, I do. Um, but, you know, I wish there were some guidelines. And instead, I think, you know, it's just going to be up to the commission to kind of basically make things up as they go along. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I think a stern financial penalty is is in order. I think it, it has to be understood that this is unacceptable. I mean, it, it it didn't end up being that bad. It really didn't. I mean, in, in retrospect, it felt awful on Saturday night. Um, but luckily, nobody was hurt. Luckily, it didn't spill over into the crowd. I mean, gosh, some of those scenes that, that we saw, uh, you know, guy getting laid out in, in the uh, in the walkway area out there of the arena out in front of the the food court area. I mean, that was unfortunate, man. That was that was awful to see. Now, the guy kind of had it coming. It looked like he was taunting and then got lit up, but. Um, but I'm just glad we didn't see scenes like that, you know, on the arena floor, or, you know, people getting toppled over, you know, it, it could have been way worse, but between Las Vegas Metro, T-Mobile, uh, security, the, the Nevada State Athletic Commission inspectors, you know, they kind of all corral things pretty quickly. So it ended up really not being that bad, um, but not being that bad doesn't justify what was done. You know, it's, it's not right to leak the cage and, and go after somebody, uh, in the corner. So I think Khabib is going to have to face some, some, some real stern punishment for this you know but you know if you took 20 percent of his purse that two million dollar purse that could be big i mean that's that's a lot of money now i think he made way more than that two million you know i'm sure he got a a big cut of the pay-per-view as well so i'm sure there was a lot more money on the backside that's not being touched but still a stiff penalty um and like i said maybe six months i mean six months would at least be doing something it wouldn't really prevent a fight from happening i mean was he gonna fight in six months anyway Probably not, probably not, but at least it shows that you're doing something. So, uh, and listen, I mean, Connor is probably going to face some repercussions too. I've seen a lot of people throwing out there that, you know, Connor, uh, you know, Connor threw the first punch and this and that. And yeah, I've seen all the video at this point. You know, I, we didn't know much when we were sitting at the press conference. We were just kind of starting to see things as we were there at the press conference on Saturday night. Um, and I see a lot of people, you know, say, well, Connor threw the first punch. Listen, I'm not trying to defend Connor. You know, I mean, I've, um, I, I mean, he is a superstar and all that, but, you know, I mean, I picked Habib going into this fight, so it's not like I was, I'm just, you know, riding Connor's side or whatever. But I will say, you know, as, as appalled as what I thought he did back in April really was, I mean, that was shocking and that was, that was awful. Um, I don't really fault him for swinging 
at anybody that's coming into the cage. I mean, at that point, if 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 you're approaching the fighting surface and you're not contracted to fight, I, I don't think people have a right to judge what happens at that point. I mean, at that point, you're the guy that's out of place. And if and if a combatant starts swinging on you, I don't know, man. That's I think at that point, you know, they've got to feel like self-preservation is important as well. So. Um, I, I think Connor will probably face some issue there for the fact that he crawled up on the fence, the, crawl, the fact that he did throw a punch. Um, but in much the same way that I don't judge Habib because I, you know, I think he made a mistake here, but I don't think this is indicative of his character. With Connor, I, I don't, I can't really fault him here, man. I mean, there's people leaping into the cage. You got to defend yourself. I mean, he did get clocked a couple times, so you know, maybe he was right to be swinging. So, uh, I, again, it's wrong. It's not justified. But I understand his need for self-preservation as well. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, penalties for both. And I think they're going to fight again, man. I, I think there's just so much money. You know, we're, we're hearing about 2.5 million pay-per-view buys, which, you know, blows the the, the previous record of 1.6 million away. I mean, that's that's incredible. You're talking a, a 50% increase in the record. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. 50%. And um, we didn't get to talk about it, but I, I actually had heard previously – um, that the commercial sales, meaning like the bars and restaurants that were buying it, was off the charts. You know, it was a, it was a record there too. So, um, you know, you start adding up the money. Don't don't forget to add up the money that comes from the commercial buys as well. And I heard that was phenomenal also. So, um, I just think there's too much money now. All that being said, this battle between Habib and the UFC is going to be pretty interesting too. So we've got to look at October 24th, um, but then we we've, we've got to pay attention. Uh, to what goes on with Zubera Tukigov as well, right? Uh, you know, it's I guess it's more or less official that the fight with Artem Lobov is off. Zubera has been removed from the fight. They're trying to find a replacement uh, for Artem Lobov. Um, I will say this. I kind of support pulling Zubera from the fight. I do. And I think even, you know, Habib, who made a statement and said, listen, if you punish my guy... And you get rid of him, you might as well get rid of me too because I'm out. I believe Habib when he says that. I do not believe that is just kind of posturing on his part. I do not believe he is faking that position. I believe he will stand up for what he believes in. Twofold. Number one, he's a man of principle. Okay? I mean, this is it's important. His principles are important to him. He'll do that. But secondly, he knows he can go fight in Russia. A Russian promotion would pick him up in a heartbeat. He's a star over there. They, they, they could promote his fights. And... You know, trying to sue and, and uh, you know, <laughs> keep any kind of contract law in place in a Russian court for a Russian fighter with an American company. Good luck with all that. Good luck with all that. I mean, that's what Vitaly Minikov did, right? I mean, he left Bellator while he was under contract for Bellator and just said, I don't care. I'm going to Russia. And he fought in Russia. Eventually, Bellator just said, ah, to hell with it. Like, just go. And then he signed with the UFC. So, uh, you know, that's something that that you're going to have to be aware of that I that you want to pay attention to. Now, I, listen, I support Zubera being pulled from this fight. What he did was wrong. He did take swings. Uh, Islam Makachev was involved, but I, I think if you watch the tape, I, I don't believe Islam ever actually threw any punches at anybody. Zubera did. And then not only that, he took to social media and bragged about the fact that, hey, I told you I was going to do it, and I did it. Um, that definitely deserves some repercussions. And the other thing, too, is, I, I, you know, it just seems like such a 
such an intense rivalry right now. So to put those two teams back together again in Moncton, uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's especially wise anyway. So for everything that surrounds it, I understand pulling Zubera from the fight. Now, here's where it gets interesting is, you know, Dana White on the night of the fight said that, you know, anybody that was involved that left over the cage would not fight here. I honestly believe, and it's just a hunch, I haven't confirmed it with him, but I honestly believe in the way he answered the question that he didn't realize those those were guys that were on the roster. Again, it's just a hunch. I don't have any educated opinion on that or, or any inside knowledge I'm not telling you about. But just in, in the way he answered the question, obviously I've you know talked to Dana hundreds and hundreds of times over the years and seen him speaking hundreds and hundreds of times. I kind of feel like he didn't know that those guys were on the roster. So I'm not holding him at his word that he meant that was a lifetime ban. Now, it's easier to, it's easier to ban somebody for life if they're not in your promotion than it is if they're already there, right? I mean, if they're not in your promotion, you're just saying, well, we'd never sign them. And then, and then you never do. Um, I don't know that, that you know, he meant that it was a lifetime ban for two guys that were on his roster, or at least one in Zubera. Now... He's going to have to address that. And, you know, Habib is kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, you know, I'll force your hand at this. I, w- I will force your hand at this. And, um, man, it's going to be an interesting position. You know, I don't think Dana wants to back down and say, you know, the fighters are running what we do here, but he's going to have to address this in some way. And Zubair deserves to be disciplined. He deserves to be disciplined. I mean, same thing. If you want to suspend him for six months, you know, you're costing him this fight basically – I, th- I think you're justified, right? I mean, this is unacceptable behavior. But I don't know that, you know, it means he's never in there again. Um, we got to see what happens. That's one that you're going to keep following. Um, I tend to think maybe the USC will back down a little bit. They'll say, well, you know, we reviewed what happened. We watched the tape. Um, you know, we... You know, this was a special situation. It was such an inflamed debate. I mean, there's a way out of this. If you word it correctly, there's a way out of this, and there's a way for Dana to backtrack and and not make it seem as if, you know, he's just answering to Habib's will. So um, I'm anxious to see how that all plays out. Now, the other thing about this that, that kind of sucked about the whole incident is that it's all we got to talk about all week long is, is this fight between Habib and Connor, the fight after the fight. Um, you know, I think people are sneaking in a little bit of discussion about how great Tony Ferguson looked, and he did. I mean, he looked fantastic. He's back. Anxious to see him. Uh, Dominic Reyes, a good performance. You know, almost finished with Vince St. Preux in the first round. Ended up kind of cruising to a decision. As he said afterwards, you know, not a gas tank issue. He just kind of settled in. He realized he wasn't going to be able to get out of there quick, so he had to kind of settle in for the long haul. Derek Lewis picking up the big win over Alexander Volkov. The, the, the come-from-behind win. Um, and now Derek Lewis in a, in a title fight. And I am so torn on this fight between Derek Lewis and Daniel Cormier. Torn because I'm happy for the guys. I'm happy for both of them. We know DC only has, you know, um, a couple months left basically in his career. If he sticks to his schedule, he wants to be done when he turns 40 in March. And so I'm happy for, for him to get another payday because, I mean, DC, one of the all-time greats, one of the all-time nice guys, uh, deserves to cash in before he's done. Meanwhile, Derek Lewis, come on, you know 
The Road Show loves Derek Lewis. The Black Beast has always been a favorite, man. And how can you not be happy for him getting a title fight? You know, he said all along it's not really about the title for him, but it's about supporting his family. And when you get a title fight, those checks are bigger too, man. So it, it is, a, you know, it's it helps him support his family. So I'm down for it. I'm down for it. And listen, I mean, I, I think I think Daniel Cormier wins that fight. No disrespect to Derek Lewis. I think Daniel Cormier wins that fight. But that said, if Derek Lewis hits you, as Alexander Volkov found out, you will go to sleep. And, and he can hit you at any point. Um, you know, he's going to have minutes at a time where it looks as if he's not capable of doing anything. But then he'll load up on those big shots. And if he hits you, you're going down. So Daniel Cormier will have to be careful about that. Um you know the buildup's gonna be funny. I'm sure they're gonna they're they're gonna be entertaining. We both those guys are are outspoken and fun, and they're great on social media. So uh, I'm happy. Here's the other thing that concerns me though is number one, uh, Derek Lewis was wobbled quite a few times against Alexander Volkov. Now he showed incredible heart, never went down, but there were a couple times he was stunned. And you know, I, brain health, man, <laughs> brain health. I, you know, I, I'm shocked that we're rushing him back in there in 30 days. And the other thing, too, that was kind of weird, you know, Nevada State Athletic Commission had him suspended 30 days, and then they peeled a week off of that after the initial report. Um, I got to believe that was done because the UFC asked him to, you know, asked him to change the suspension terms so they could get it cleared um, so that he could fight in New York. And, I mean, listen, if he passes the medical test, he passes the medical test. But, you know, you just worry about this stuff. This this sport is already dangerous enough, man. It's already it's already hard enough for these guys. That to complicate it concerns me a little bit. So it's weird because I'm 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 happy for these guys, and of course I'm gonna watch the fight, man. And I'm glad they're cashing these paychecks, and couldn't happen to two better guys. But I, I you know the circumstances surrounding surrounding it, especially with Derek Lewis, I don't know, concerns me a little bit. You know, I. uh well, just the well-being of the guys concern me. So, um, Michelle Watterson beat uh, Felice Herrick via unanimous decision. Michelle Watterson looked really good here. Formiga beat Pettis. Of course, Pettis now Sergio Pettis now moving up to uh, to bantamweight. Uh, Vicente Luque, devastating, devastating knockout of Jalen Turner. Man, um, scary for a minute. Jalen was was out of it. Man, he he was he was out flat, and then when he came to, um, man, his eyes were kind of rolling around a little bit. He didn't know where he was. It was. It was a scary moment, but fortunately, uh, you know, he, uh, he he came to really quick, left under his own power, looked fine as he walked by press row, but it was scary for a bit. Aspen Ladd beat Tanya Evinger. Uh, Aspen Ladd looked phenomenal. Of course, tough, tough weight cut. Um, you know, if you, if you didn't read the, the article that we, that we wrote surrounding it, you know, I talked to her team as well. You know, she had that very emotional weight cut. Where she was kind of shaking and couldn't get back on the scale. And her her team wasn't sure she was gonna make weight, man. They had, they were checking their weight on, and that's that's why there was such emotion. You know, they were checking their weight on a couple different scales, and they were getting different results. So when they sent her out there to go weigh in, they weren't sure if she was gonna make weight or not. I mean, they were they were prepared to to miss, and that's why another reason there was so much emotion in there. So, um, you know, Aspen's got to get that weight stuff worked out, man. It would have been catastrophic for her had she missed it, man. I think it would have been devastating for her career, but she did make weight. Um, and she looks like a force to be reckoned with, man. She just ran through Tanya Evinger. Scott Holtzman picked up the uh, devastating win over Alain Patrick as well. Yana Kunixaya with the decision of Alina Landsberg. Nick Lentz and Tony Martin both started the night off with devastating knockouts as well. Uh, Ryan LaFleur actually uh, retired afterwards, so he announced that earlier this week. So, 
My apologies that we did not have a UFC 229 post-fight show. We didn't get that and a half action. Um, but hopefully you understand. It's funny. Actually, my, my wife and kid were, were watching the fights. And A, I had kind of an old person moment where I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe my kid's watching this. You know, when the post-fight brawl happened, I'm like, oh, my God, Morgan, that sounds so old. What the hell is wrong with you, man? Who can, you know, it's part of it. But it was funny because I got a text from my wife that just said, Sorry, baby. I know this means so much more work for you. So <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. You know, she's watching it and she sees the brawl break out and she understands this game enough to know that you know, you know what just happened to you. What happened is you just got a ton more work. So, uh, and she was right. <laughs> she was right. So my humble apologies that we didn't get an Anna and a half. We got to talk to the uh, the man running things at MMA Junkie, Simon Samano. Maybe we'll. Get him to start allowing us some time to 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 do the podcast and uh, bring it bring it more consistently on the post show. I've thought about doing Sundays as well, and just not even doing the Thursday show. But I don't know. I feel like the post fight is kind of more important, but I like doing the pre fight stuff too. I like kind of setting up the week and letting everybody know what's happening and how it feels on the ground. So we'll see. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, after USC 229, the, the rest of this week is been just kind of winding down. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about the damn thing all week long. Um, you know, it's just different. I've been doing more radio appearances uh, just like we did before and did some afterwards as well. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, MMA Junkie Radio, everybody wants to talk about it. Um, but I did get to break away and, uh, and and look to the future a little bit. I got a chance to talk to Max Holloway. Of course, Max Holloway is um, – is headlining UFC 231 on December 8th in Toronto against Brian Ortega. God, there's another fight that, you know, hey, we were already looking for that. You know, I fired up everybody watched that earlier this year, but another fight where I'm just so torn on, man. Like I, I, I love both those guys, man. I, I love their styles. I love, I love them as people. Uh, oh, I'm gonna be torn on that one, man. It's, it's one. It's one of those ones you don't want anybody to lose, you know. So uh, anxious for that fight. But uh, Max Holloway was was doing an on sale. He was in Toronto doing some on sale press conferences uh, and uh, or media hits. At least I don't think they actually did a press conference. They just did uh, a media tour. And fortunately, I was able to get a hold of him on the phone and catch up with Max Holloway. Uh, I did uh, write an article about it. So if you want to read the piece that I wrote about it, uh, that is on MMA Junkie as well. But I figured, hey. Roadshow listeners might want to just just hear the interview, hear from Max Holloway himself. So uh, that's what we'll do right now. We'll uh, we'll turn it over. This is a conversation for earlier this week. Myself and blessed Max Holloway. How you doing, Max? Good to hear from you, brother. Yeah, good hearing from you. I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Let's let's just get into it, man. I know you're busy, so I won't take too much of your time, man. But uh, just give us the report physically, man. How how are you doing? I mean, did we ever find out? What was going on? It seemed like a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Yeah, you know, um, at the end of the day, people keep saying this and that. I feel great, you know. I uh, everybody know I got in. I get in early. I got in like eight to ten days before the fight. I was uh, eating two thousand five hundred calories, drinking water like a normal dude. You know, everybody keeps saying it was a weight cut issue. Everybody keeps saying it's a concussion issue. You know, they knocked that off the list. So they ain't got no smoking gun, but we're still working closely with, with the UFC doctors, you know, the specialists that the UFC doctors sent me to, you know. But as of right now, they, they, they had me on a plan before we even could take this fight with 
how I could train. There's monitoring me. I was coming in, and uh, no signs of symptoms. So I, I feel great. You know, I, I just can't. I just can't wait till December comes around, and uh, I get to uh, remind everybody who's on the spinning champions. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you you feel good now, but I mean, really, Max, we just just we don't know what happened. I mean, you have no idea. Is that basically what it got left at? Yeah, you know they they don't got no smoking gun. That's pretty much it. You know they they, they I'm just glad that they crossed out the big things. You know the big yeah. things that they thought it was it wasn't. So I'm happy for that. But on the opposite side of that, like you said, you know they don't they don't got an answer. So as long as the symptoms stay away, I'm good. I feel great. I can't wait. The symptoms never ever came back ever since. We've been getting after in training too. So I I, I feel great. I just. I just can't wait to fight, man. It's been it's been one hell of a year, and I can't wait to finish it off with a bang. Yeah, man. I was going to ask. I mean, it's good to hear that the physical side's okay. How about the mental side, man? I mean, I know this is uh, I mean, this is your life, and I know training is 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 good, but the fighting is what it's about. What I mean, how, how has this has this been on you and your family and everything else? Like everything you've had to go through. Uh, you know, I, I've been talking about it recently all day. Actually, the last two days, kind of. Kind of found out what depression is, you know. I I I, I wouldn't talk about it before because I, I I wasn't in their shoes, and I got put in their shoes this last summer. You know, I was at a point where we came home from July and didn't talk to no one. And if if I wanted to talk to you, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to reach me, I I didn't care. I didn't talk to no one. You know, I was in my own zone, and it was crazy. You know, I'm a Raptors fan. Uh, it hit me hard when Demar Demar Rosen talked about it. He talked about depression. Talked about how. Uh, Money. He wished everybody in the world had money so they could understand that depression is a real thing. And, and it was crazy, you know. And, and I could talk about it now because I've been through it, and I can tell people, you know, don't don't cut yourself off from other people. You know, your family, your friends, someone's there. Reach out and, and talk to them about something. You know, if you got something on your mind, go tell them and talk to them. So I learned a lot about myself this this year, and I just can't wait to get things back to to normal and. uh get back to the blessed era and uh, do this by December. That's awesome that you're willing to talk about that, man. I appreciate that. Uh, talk about uh, training, Max. I mean, as, as you're preparing for this fight, I mean, obviously I, be- I guess you're about to get into it full strength. I mean, uh, are there any adjustments, or, you know, whether it be precautionary or whatever else? I mean, is this going to impact the way you train or the way you approach a fight? Is, is anything changed? Yeah, you know, uh, not really tra- training-wise a little bit. My trainer – my trainers and they changing things up a little bit, but the more it changes my 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 perspective on life, you know, and, and that's what I did. You know, I, I, I'm glad obstacles happen. I, I'm a big believer. You know, you guys know I always say it is what it is, and I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Uh, and I believe this thing happened for a reason. I believe I got slowed down around this time for a reason. You know, now we're going to pick it back up. You know, people told me I fell off. Well, tell me why I left it, because we're about to go back up, and people about to find out why I'm one of the best fighters in the world, and why I'm going to be number one pound for pound fighter in the world someday. Well, uh, you people say that sometimes, Max. That things happen for a reason. Do you do you know what the reason is? I mean, have you been able to put your finger on what the reason was? No, that's the beautiful thing about life. That's the beautiful thing about this kind of stuff. We find out as long as we go out there, you know. Like I've been saying, I've been saying we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And I can't wait to uh, to find it out, but we also got to find something out in December. So I'm excited about that. I, I, I'm just glad I'm back. I'm glad I'm, I'm good. You know, I got a, you know, 
I got a got a six year old son that's going on twenty three. I love that little guy. <laughs> yeah, he's been helping me a lot through the stuff. I got a, a loving family, loving friends, a, a, a loving loving fans. Even you guys, you know, some of you guys is even reaching out doing uh, the media and stuff is reaching out to me. Not even for media stuff, just for my well being, and uh, I'm thankful for you guys. You know, it's it's, it's been great. That's awesome, man. Well, let's talk about this matchup, man. Uh, Brian's got a, a a great record, and I mean, obviously, you were already preparing for him anyway. Um, you know, how much you've been thinking about him? How much you've been thinking about the fight? I mean, what, what what do you think about this matchup as we're a couple months out? I thought it was a fight, you know, and I, I got eight weeks, eight weeks coming up, and that's when that's when I get consumed by you know his training camps. I get. We we talk a bunch of times before my fights, and you know how I go. You know when I when I fight, I get in this certain mode. You know, like I'm here, I'm there, but I'm not. You know, I'm I, I, I'm thinking about the fighting and stuff. So you know, fighting fighting is great. You know, Ortega is great. He got a great camp behind him. He he's a great dude, like you said. He got a great record. He's on this unbelievable record, and I can't wait to test him. You know, yeah, I think so. This is the perfect time for this fight. You know. Both young guys, both hungry. A young lion versus a young shark. And uh Kirksey Dang thing. So I can't wait to uh get mines and devour on uh in December. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know, I guess when people look at Brian, they you know, they, they see the submission game of course and then they see I, I guess you just say the heart, you know what I mean? The ability to come from behind. Uh, which one of those impresses you the most, or which one of those concerns you the most? Is you know, is it his grappling abilities, or is it you know maybe that heart where it seems like he never quits? I think he just. I think so. He's just an all-around fighter. Even his stand-up is good. You know, people people keep saying that this is like a striker versus grappler matchup. You know, I think so. He's a well-rounded fighter, but people keep sleeping on. Uh, you know, my. My lineage, you know, I, uh, I come from my, my one of my head trainers, Ryan Lazar, is a black belt out of Pedro Sauer. And Pedro Sauer uh, is one of the main ones that came over with the Gracies to help spread jujitsu, you know, so to America and stuff, or to the world, period. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think so we have, we, we me and him is like kind of, we kind of came out like the same way, you know, under the same umbrella. So uh, it, it's cool to see, you know, two young guys, uh, at this level, that kind of came up the same umbrella, and I can't wait. You know, people keep sleeping, uh, sleeping on, uh, oh, Dick Knight can do this, and oh, he can do that. You know, you know, a good magician never shows his tricks. You know, <laughs> because I didn't show certain stuff in my game yet, people keep calling me out on it. You know, like, you know, why, why dig, why dig deep in the bag when you don't have to go that that far into it. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. You know, he's done some interviews where he says that I guess he in his contract he's been told that he's fighting for a title no matter what happens to you. Uh yeah. have you have you heard that? Were you aware of that? And I mean does I don't know, does that bother no, you a little I bit? That. <laughs> I, I heard that the same thing as you, you know, and, <laughs> and it doesn't bother me at all. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I'm fully focused, you know. Get ready, get don't get ready for plan B. Plan A the undisputed featherweight champion is going to show up December 7th, make weight, and then uh, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to get in that octagon. So, you know, don't be worried too much about plan A, uh, plan B. Plan A is uh, it's ready to go. <laughs> I dig it. So I guess, you know, as this thing started, everybody was asking, man, is Max's time at featherweight done? Is that is that lightweight move imminent? But, I mean, you're talking about reestablishing, re-going. I mean, uh, are we jumping to conclusions there? Do you think your your future is long at featherweight, or do you feel like that lightweight move is on the horizon? Look, 
when I got into the UFC, or when I got into fighting period, I wanted to be a world champion. I knocked that off the list, you know. Uh, uh, undisputed world title. I wanted a title. You know, I'm a champion. You know, champions, you don't need a belt. I always told myself I was a champion. I try to carry myself as one. But I wanted a world title. I got one. You know, now you make new goals. I wanted new goals is like defend and defend and defend and keep defending. You know, and also one of the new goals was now I want to be the number one pound for pound fighter. I'm number, I'm the number in the world. I'm the number four pound for pound fighter in the world right now. You know, there's three guys in front of me. Uh, you know, the number one guy is, uh, is, is, is a friend to me, you know, Kung Fu Panda, DC. <laughs> but he knows, he know he can get this work if he really wanted it. <laughs> uh, you know, that's all just side, but you know, that's it. You know, that's the next plan. You know, first thing first is our take. We take, we take care of business and then, you know, whatever's there. If it's, if it's a, if it's a move up a weight class. That I got to go to to get to show that I'm the number one pound for pound fighter. If it's to stay here at 45, if it's to jump to heavyweight and and, and fight that guy, you know that whatever it is, whatever UFC thinks, I want to be the number one pound for pound best guy in the world. No questions asked. That's awesome, man. Well, it's good to have you back, Max. Glad you're glad you're feeling good. Any any other last thoughts, messages, anything that you want to get out there? I know people are you know worried about you, or thinking about you. What's what's the message you want out there to everybody? I love you guys. Thank you guys for all, all, all the all the worries, all the, all the prayers, all the good support. And make sure you guys tune in December. It's not your boy is back. We don't need to worry anymore. Bless her in the full effect. And I can't wait for the words to end still. All right, so there you have it, Max Holloway. Um, man, first of all, I just, I was surprised, man. I, I didn't know, um, you know, hearing him open up on depression was definitely not expecting to hear that, man. I mean, always such a, a positive kind of upbeat guy and, and, uh, you know, for him to admit that he, he was kind of dealing with some depression and, and, um, man, I, I thought, Hey, I thought it was really cool of him to, to discuss it and to talk about, it. you know, mental health is such a. Um, a, a hot button topic these days, you know. Our, our good friend Mauro Ronaldo, of course, always a big champion of of uh, mental health concerns as well. Man, bipolar rock and roll. I've seen some people tweeting lately that they they're just seeing it for the first time. If you haven't seen that, I know we talked a lot about it at the time when it came out, but if you haven't seen bipolar rock and roll, definitely go find it. Um, powerful, powerful stuff. But you know, Max, to, to talk about that stuff, I thought it was cool. You know, it's and it's good. I mean, this is important for people to to hear and, and to, to be open. And I just love what he said, man. Um, you know, if you're, if you're depressed, you're feeling down, man, don't, don't cut the world off, man. Don't, don't cut the world off, you know, uh, speak to somebody, talk to somebody. And, uh, I, it's, it's good advice, man. It's great advice. You know, I, I, I went through about, I just, I, I mean, I, I was divorced actually the first time I, I was married before and I got divorced and, Man, for a year, like, I shut myself off from the world, man. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I don't know. I felt like people were judging me. and I don't know. It was a rough time in my life, man. And, and uh, in retrospect, I realized that was stupid, man, to, to cut myself out from the world. Nah, man, you got to, if anything, you got to connect with the world. You got to stay with it. So, I don't know. It was cool cool to hear to Max talk about that. I will say um, a little concern, you know, that, that he says, I, I, I don't know what happened. And I don't. I mean, the good news is he says, listen, I've been tested. They can't find anything. Um, 
you know, the 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 concussion-like symptoms that I had earlier this year, they're not coming back. And that's good news, right? I mean, you want to hear it. You know, clean bill of health. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I wish we had an idea of, 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 of what it was just to feel a little better about it, I guess, you know? Um, I, I know that that really wouldn't change anything, I guess, physically. But just to know and so that we're, we're, we're more aware of – um, I guess exactly what it was, so we know it's not going to happen again. Now I'm not, and I'm not talking about from, oh, I'm worried this fight's going to get canceled again. I'm not talking about from that point of view. I just mean overall as hell. So you know that concerned me a little bit, but I do appreciate his honesty. And he said, listen, you know, don't don't worry, I'm going to be back. Um, you know, I, I I got this, and I've been through a battery of tests and all that. So um, you know, you got to believe him there. You got to believe him there. So uh, of course we want for the best. And uh, man, that that card is fantastic you know just the, the the top two fights there holloway and ortega and then yen jaychik and shevchenko like goodness that's two fantastic fights um so i'm stoked for that and uh, of course i know we'll be talking to, to brian ortega as we get closer as well so uh obviously a a, a, a favorite of the road show as well so uh all right listen um so what i want to do now uh, i am not on the road this week the mma road show is in dry dock. i actually don't travel at all this month man i'm I'm home. This is a, a long stretch for me here in Las Vegas. We'll see how long uh, my wife can put up with me. Uh, I am taking a week's vacation next week, which is nice. So I won't be on the site as much. Uh, just taking a little time off to handle some stuff around the house. Basically, we're coming towards the end of the year, and I've just got vacation days I haven't burned. Uh, so I'm going to take a week off and, and kind of just handle some stuff around the house. But as you know, we have never missed a damn week uh, at all. So I will get together with um, – with cold coffee here in Las Vegas, and we we will do a show even though I'm on vacation. Uh, so we don't miss, we don't miss. <laughs> uh, but the, the cold coffee is traveling. He is uh, right now, if I believe I'm right, he is in Long Island, New York. Earlier he was in Manhattan, um, and just to kind of give you an idea, he was doing media in Manhattan. Um, tomorrow. He will do the weigh-ins. Him and Mike Bond are in Long Island. They'll do the weigh-ins in the morning, both the official and the ceremonial weigh-ins for Bellator 208. Then they will jump on a bus to head to Connecticut, which I think is about two hours away, uh, so that they can cover Bellator 207 along with Dave Mandel. Now, Dave Mandel's already in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. And then after that is over, uh, all three of those guys will jump on a bus and, and head back to Long Island where they'll get ready to cover Bellator 208 the next night. So it's been a crazy week, and uh, Cole Coffee's got a feel for everything up there in Long Island and Connecticut. So he's up there with Bellator 207 and 208. So I thought, hey, let's get let's let's hear from our man Cole Coffee and uh, and and find out what's going on in that neck of the woods. All right, thank you, John, for the nice toss uh, from warm, dry Las Vegas where. Here we are sitting in, uh, where are we? <laughs> where are we now? The Hilton Garden Inn. And <laughs> the Hilton Garden Inn, Garden Inn, Melville or something, way up here in uh, Long Island, but where it is raining, and it was raining in New York City today. Um, all day. All day. It was gray and wet, but it still couldn't take that shine off the fact of it being wonderful New York City. There is no place like New York City. Uh, very unique place, man. Just the bustling crowd. Uh, just the lights, 
Luckily in my room last night, I had nice, those, those blackout curtains that kind of block it, but there was a couple spaces where the curtains didn't go. And I had the lights from the theater district shining into my room last night. And I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to get to sleep. But I'll tell you what, after sitting on the bed, I was out. I was out like a light last night. So uh, It's better the lights than the odor. That's true. That's true. Luckily, I was high enough. I didn't get to the, the street smell. We did get the smells today. Uh, today, um, we'll, we'll bring you back into like what was happening this week. But today, we had uh, media day there at uh, Viacom headquarters. Yeah, press we, conference. Press conference. And yesterday, we had the media day there. But uh, there was a certain parts of the room where you could literally smell like the street sewer or something. And uh, some of our friends with uh, Bellator were talking about how some media came up to them and like, you know, why is it smell? And they're like, bro, it's New York. It's like the busiest, craziest city in the world. Um, crazy, crazy times. But joining me here at the wonderful Melvin Garden Inn uh, or the Hilton Garden Inn Melville. That's, a, that's like a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Is the young Mike Vaughn. Mike, how are you doing? I'm very good. It's been a busy week, especially coming off last week. It's been never ending. I still haven't been home. I think I left home on the 23rd of September. Uh, you know, spent a couple of days in California seeing my dad and then came out to Vegas for 229 and then came straight here. So it's been nonstop, uh, yeah. you know, one big vent to another. But how can you complain? I mean, this is yeah. kind of the finest portion of MMA almost this year. There's been some a good yeah. stretch here. These are some big fights going on. Yeah. So it's hard to complain. That's true. That's true. All right, well, let's take it back to yesterday. Yesterday we had the open workouts and uh you know that was fun uh so what did you think about that um it was the, uh, for those who didn't see it uh go to mma junkie you could check out all the little videos and stuff but we got to see ryan bader we got to see matt mitrio and we saw the legend himself fedor Milianenko, and we also saw the legend himself chael sonnen the legend himself <laughs> yes the, the the mouthpiece of legend uh chael sonnen what was your thought on yesterday uh, when you saw the guys out there um because you never know what you're going to get, yeah. especially when guys that have been in the game for so long. You know, uh, we've seen in the past guys will go in there and just kind of dial it in. They just want to talk. You know, luckily these are closed to the public, so they couldn't pull the one where, oh, I'm just going to have a Q&A with the fans. You know, they had to kind of work out because it was just media. They did give us some scrums, but looking at how everybody looked yesterday, um, what was your what were your thoughts? It's hard to read too much into it. You have to think. We're dealing with, between these four guys, a 35-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 41-year-old, and a 42-year-old. That's crazy. These guys aren't spring chickens. You know, Ryan yeah. Bader is the youngest man in this tournament from the outset. He's 35. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. You're not going to get, like, a extremely high-energy, you know, Tony Ferguson-esque yeah. crazy workout or anything like that. It was basically just, like, hitting some mitts. Matt Mitrione didn't even hit mitts. He kind of just stretched right. for a little bit. And stretched and then air, air, air box. Yeah, shadow box a little bit. There wasn't too much to take away from it. It was pretty traditional stuff, but it was more the scrums. We were fortunate enough to get one-on-ones as yeah. well uh, in a very awesome setting, yeah. you know, right in Times Square, a beautiful backdrop out on the balcony there right outside. So that was very cool. Uh, and I think everyone brought some interesting points, minus Fedor Emelianenko, who doesn't have a whole lot to say <laughs> ever. And it yeah. seems even particularly this fight week more so than others. He's just not given us much to work with. Yeah. So, but other than that, Chael Sonnen was great. Uh, Matt Matriona I thought was great. Ryan Bader was great. I enjoyed that open yeah. workout. It was good. Yeah, props to Viacom, man. They have a really nice headquarters right in the smack middle of, of Times Square. So we're... Uh, we were able to do the interviews, and it was it was great. If you guys haven't seen the interviews that Mike did, uh, 
go to MMA Junkie and you can check them out. But literally sitting up on this balcony on probably what was, I think it was like the fourth floor, fifth floor, seventh floor, something eighth like floor. that. Eighth floor. Eighth floor. And just overlooking the street down below, but you can see the, 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 the Times Square ball off to the side. And, uh, and it's, it was a great view because there's where you really just sort of, you're able to take in and, and feel that you're in New York. You know, there's, there's a lot of times you get downtown into a certain city and it just, you don't know where you're at. It doesn't have a certain feel to it, but just being smack dab in the middle of, of New York City, man, it's, it's definitely a feel like no other. And props to them for having to kill a location. Um, and they were very, very nice to all this week, kind of uh, hosting, you know, all the festivities that have been happening. And uh, it's been pretty cool. Which takes us to today. Today we finally got to see some of the other fighters. And, and I do want to go back and say that, uh, you know, for most of the stuff that we've been dealing here in uh, Manhattan was Bellator 208. Dave Mandel, uh, God bless his soul, has been, uh, went to um, the okay. Mohegan Sun and has been dealing with a lot of that stuff. So he actually was the one that shot the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins and stuff that you see on that. So we're going to meet back up with him tomorrow for the event. Uh, so always good to see him. Uh, but yeah, it's been a crazy week of just kind of shuffling to and fro from the different places. But um, so if we're heavy on the, the, the Bellator 208 talk, it's because that's kind of where we've been living in this moment. And you know, just generally, I mean, there hasn't been much in the way of me media availabilities. Yeah. I think Bellator sent out some phoner opportunities uh, right. last week. And there's stories. We do have Bellator 207 fighter stories up on the site. I right. believe Fernando Proches spoke to a number of those fighters who are outside of the main event. So yeah. we have stories. But in terms of fight week, the only availability for those fighters was uh, Bader and Mitrione at the open workouts yeah. yesterday. That was the only time we've yeah. seen them this week. It's crazy. It's crazy. So today uh, we had the uh, press conference when we had the more of the two weight fighters. We actually got to see the main card and uh, it was good to see, you know, some familiar faces and some faces we haven't seen in some time. But um, who are some of the people that maybe stood out to you from today's press conference? Of course, Chael Sonnen. Well, he, besides, yeah, Chael. <laughs> he stole the show. But outside of that, um, you know, Benson Henderson. It's always interesting it's to, good see to see him. Ben. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Uh, I think he made it very clear that he's maybe not the most thrilled with the schedule for his number yeah. of fights he's been getting. Yeah. So I think he wants to be a little more active. You think part of that's because also just how much he's getting paid per event that they're, they're trying to space those out. It's got to be because what were they paying him like 500 or I think it was a little bit less. I'd have to go look back. I'm not sure how many times he's actually fought in somewhere where his purse is being disclosed, but yeah, yeah. he's definitely getting he's like making a good six figures because yeah. he was one of the first guys that, that switched over the big that, name former yeah. champs, you know. Yeah, and they were willing to pay him for it. So, yeah, uh, yeah for him, it, it makes a little bit of sense. And you know, in some fights, he's gone through some hard fights too. You know, he yeah. had those first two, the ones with Koreshkov and Chandler, those yeah. were easy fights. So for him, his Bellator run has been up and down, but yeah. I think he hinted too, maybe he doesn't have the most time left in the world in the sport. So he wants to make the most of it. He put his hand up saying, if there's a opening in the welterweight Grand Prix tournament, he wants to get in there. He wants to be the guy they call. So, you know, maybe that comes to fruition at some yeah. point if someone falls out there. Uh, but yeah, he was one of the guys that was notable. Czech Congo, I thought was, Czech Congo. you know, yes, more uh, spirited than you've yeah. seen him. You know, he did a little dance when I brought yeah, up the fact that- Yeah, he was that, in good spirits. Yeah, brought up the fact that maybe he could be an alternate for the heavyweight tournament, particularly if something crazy happens between Chael and Fedor in the next, whatever, I don't even know, 36 hours or however long right. we have till the fight until <laughs> at the time of this recording. So 
yeah, um, he was good. It's always good to see him. I mean, Chuck Congo, man, it's it's crazy the longevity this guy's right? had. It's his 31st fight between Bellator and UFC. Yeah. And that's what was tied. he saying? It was because of the supplements. No drugs. Yes, no and, supplements. And some supplements that he ran into or found or something. Yeah, he was so telling the story, and I couldn't quite understand what he was saying. He's hard to understand at times. He was, he was like, oh, I took supplements. I find them. They must be good you know, supplements because at 43 years old, that guy no is drugs. still cut as hell. Yeah, it's dude, crazy. His physique is unreal so yeah some of these guys but i don't know it, it was tough you see all those dudes up in the stage and it's like you're asking some of them questions almost out of sympathy because you just don't want them to go through a like a henry corrales you know right love him but it was a 50 minute or so press conference yeah. and i was gonna say his opponent andy main i think got one question as well yeah and he got one question and you know, it was because we were probably being encouraged to not leave these guys hanging, and yeah. we feel bad for them as well. But but it's hard when you got Chael up there. You're right, Chael, and you got Fedor up there. Like you don't really need the main, too that's much the main else. Hit, maybe know? bring the co-main event, maybe the Congo fight, just because right. there's something there. But there's no need to have all ten guys up there. And Chael even said it. We spoke with him, yeah. did an interview, and you guys will hear it uh, later in this yeah. podcast. Basically saying like, you know. I don't know. I follow the sport. I'm an analyst. He works for ESPN and he covers the sport. He follows it as closely as anyone on the fighter side. I imagine he's like, I don't have the foggiest idea who some of these dudes are up here. I didn't even know they were fighting on the same card as me. Like, I just found out today. And I'm sure some of you media people just found out today, yeah. too. So. I'm wondering how much of that is truth and how much is just Chael, Chael being Chael and, and still sort of selling it. It's probably somewhere in the middle. I bet he, I, I feel you're right on that. Because I bet he, he, I guarantee he knew, you know, that Benson was fighting. And I knew... He knew that Czech was fighting, but you know what? Yeah, when it gets to the Russians and maybe the Corrales main fight, that he's probably like, uh. And I guarantee, if you ask him to, to pick a fight off the prelims, you know, it's not going to uh, happen. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, the prelims are for Bellator or something. Something entirely they're a different. beast of its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, crazy. Well, one of the things I did think was really unique uh, and was good, uh, and you could touch on this because um, we won't play the audio. But you guys can go back and listen to it uh, on uh, MMA Junkies YouTube. You can find it there or you can find it on the website. Um, you took some time and you talked with Scott. But uh, during the press conference, he really was talking about his plans and their expansion into the European market and the, and the different European series. Uh, I thought it was really incredible. One talk of, you know, opening up the, the, the London office, which I guess is already up and running. But just their aspirations and their push for... The international you know it's funny because you know for so long people have always kind of given it the, oh bellator is the the little brother of the ufc they're the ones chasing their coattails but when at a time when we almost feel like i see the ufc contracting their external their international operations mm -hmm. i feel like bellator right now is expanding and expanding quite a bit yeah there's opportunity for them there i mean look at what's happening in december they're going to hawaii before yeah. the ufc is getting there i know that's not international for you know the american might as side, well be yeah might as well. that's one of those wish list places it's for me a, it's an untapped market for the ufc mm -hmm. still at this point and they're struggling big time to get in there and bellator is doing not one but two shows as we right. broke thursday morning on mma junkie and usa today yeah. they're doing a salute fight. to the troops yeah fight for the troops type it's called yeah and that guess they be can't there. go fight for the troops they yeah the ufc get upset of that one. yeah so you know, they're doing it big time in Hawaii, yeah. but you know, to speak about the European scene in general, I mean, they hired David Green, the former Bellator or uh, Bama matchmaker, uh, as their CEO, I believe, of international operations, something like that. Uh, excuse me if I'm getting his exact title wrong, but yeah, they're they're putting efforts in there. They're looking to really grow their 
roots in Europe in the UK and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out what it actually looks like how you know much recognitions these shows get from right. you know the media on that side of the pond on this side too like are they going to have fights how are we going to be covering them on MMA Junkie and stuff these are all things we still need to figure out but yeah. they're at least attempting stuff so it's yeah. uh, should be interesting to see how this all unfolds in yeah. 2019 yeah it's kind of neat because it, it almost feels like a lot of their shows are so many of their shows now are pushing overseas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes it tough because you're like, well, they're going to, you know, they're going here, they're going to Jerusalem, they're going all over the place. And it's like, wow, when are they going to be back in the States? You know, they've got yeah. a, a very um, uh, adventurous schedule kind of coming up, you know, yeah. and good on them for it. I mean, you know, I think right now they have that. It's nice, I guess, when you have a nice little influx of money. When people are pushing in, you're like, let's, let's, this is the time to expand, you know, and they're certainly doing that. Um, they just need to get that tape delay thing figured out. Well, I thought that was the difference with the zone because I thought that was a live at the same time. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work. I do know for their next international show, which I believe is Tel Aviv, which is headlined by, I believe, Patricio Ferreri versus, uh, he's escaping, Emmanuel Sanchez for the featherweight title. I believe that event is taking place on Thursday and it won't air stateside until Friday and it'll still be on DAZN but it'll be simulcast with Paramount so it'll still be tape delayed for the people in the, in the States. States so no one unless you're there live at the venue watching the fight you're not going to be able to see it live until the Friday and you know we assume the results are still going to get leaked and stuff yeah. like that by fans and attendance. It's just so, so bizarre they still choose to do that. It's tough it's tough you I think that's the one hurdle. But that last Bellator that they had that was in the States wasn't that at the same time? On DAZN, that was live. Yep, yep. So anything, like basically if it airs on Paramount, it, they'll simulcast it on DAZN and then they'll have their exclusive events on DAZN. But right. I think when it still comes to the international shows, I don't know, like maybe if they do something in like London where they would t typically do a tape delay. I don't know if it'll air live on DAZN. Like I don't think they've got to that stage yet of maybe figuring that out because they don't have something on the books right. for that right now. But yeah, these are things they need to sort out because I think in 2018 coming up on 2019, you can't be tape delaying stuff, yeah. especially that 24 hour tape delay. Yeah. That's I mean, absurd. I get it what they were trying to do, but it just seems like it's more alienating to some people because you're like, why do we have to wait? You know, you're they're finding out anyways, you know, who wins the fight, you know, and it's just and you're encouraging, particularly, you know, with stuff that happens overseas and whatnot, you're encouraging illegal streaming right. and stuff like that. Like they just need to get it sorted. I think is, that's one of their big hurdles Then 2019. They should really be focusing to overcome. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, I won't make this too long. We'll hop back, we'll toss it back over to John. But. I guess looking at the, the fights tomorrow, are, are there particular fights that you're really, really looking forward to that uh, maybe some sleeper fights or just any particular fight that you're just like, oh, I really think this is one you should keep an eye on? It, it'll be interesting. I think there's a number of things there you can look at. Uh, of course, we don't need to go too much into it because I think we've given it a lot of coverage. The tournament fight, you know, sure. Peter and Matrio, and that's compelling in itself. We'll see what happens with that. but. Uh, interested to see what Sergey Karatanov looks like coming back. Yeah. Uh, Lorenz Larkin, his Bellator run definitely hasn't been what people thought it would be when he moved over from the UFC. That's as of right now, I know we mentioned Benson Henderson earlier possibly right. being an alternate, but that is your alternate fight right now in the Bellator welterweight tournament. So we'll see how he can perform. Ian Pascu, who's, I believe, Larkin's third opponent for this fight, has a huge opportunity here. Uh, that's a guy who I believe trains out of SBG Ireland. He'll have John Cavanaugh in his corner tomorrow night. And then got to be, you know, baby slice, Kevin Ferguson Jr. Yeah, He's making... That's, yeah, that's... 
I mean, we will naturally gravitate towards him because he is the son of the late Kimbo Slice. Uh, I think everyone just looks at him in a, a certain way because of that. But he is finally making his lightweight de- yep. debut officially. He started his career at 175 pounds, I believe, worked his way down to 170. His last fight was a 160 catch weight. And now he's officially at 155. And our Dave Mandel spoke to him on site after the weigh-ins at Mohegan. And he said it was a super easy cut he did it perfectly and he's on that team right now uh working with you know aj mckee with aaron pico with some of these other dudes that are really on fire joey davis etc etc chuck liddell (laughs) apparently he's working out of that gym with antonio mckee so you got to keep an eye on him he said in his interview with dave that he's still very early in his career i think this is only his fifth professional fight but he said i the way I'm progressing, the way I'm feeling about my skill set development, I can see myself fighting for a title in two years. That's awesome. So very true. We'll see what happens. And he can definitely come out from the the shadow of, of his father, which is a is a huge shadow to be behind. And in know. a different way, he's doing it yeah. his own way. He's not going out there being feeling the pressure of like I have to be a knockout guy. Right. He, I believe, a few, you know, two of his three wins are by rear naked choke submission. Yeah, something two, like his that. last so, his last two wins submissions, and then the one before that was a TKO. And I believe it was from ground and pound. So he's a guy that's kind of you know uh, entrenching his own path. He's yeah. not he's not his father. He's not trying to be the style his father was, and he is you know carving his own way. And I think that's pretty amazing. All right. Well, let's hop over to 208. You know, we got to see a lot of those guys today. But, um, you know, obviously the, the Chael Fader fight, you know, it, that goes without saying. We're very, very interested in that fight to see how that one can play out. But uh, we could touch on that second. But looking at the rest of the guys on the main card, um, is there a particular fight? I know I'm very interested to see the fight of the Russians. You know, I think uh, that should be a, 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 a serious smashing fight. I think that uh, if, if they did fight of the night bonuses, I think that, that, that they'd one in the running. But um, what what fight is interesting for you on that? Yeah, uh, well, just like you said, Alexander Shlomenko versus Anatoly Tokov. Um, that's interesting. I mean, Shlomenko threw a little shade today at the press conference. Basically, one of the yeah. Russian reporters asked him, because for them, you don't really see, especially in U.S. promotions, two Russians fighting each right. other. Fedor Emelianenko even said, uh, when I went to his mural unveiling on Tuesday, which was the first thing we did on Fight Week, it was down mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. He has a his own personal mural that was uh, funded by Bellator, and it's outside of a, a restaurant down there in southern Brooklyn, which is you know a heavy a Russian heavy area. Oh, so it might actually stay up for a while. Yeah, I mean, without they, getting tagged or like repainted. Well, it's actually direct. So they told me that they had originally commissioned it to be at this one restaurant, and then they moved it to this other place, which is directly across the street from a police station. Oh. And they said they did that to ensure it wouldn't get that tagged it, and stuff. At least not so, right away. Eventually yeah. it always will happen. So <laughs> the plan is, I spoke to the restaurant owner, is to like take it down mid-November, but if they yeah. wins okay. this fight the plan is to probably keep it up till you know maybe the end of january because yeah. the tournament final round is oh, as of now slated for january 26th so sense. fedor wins he'll go in there but anyways going back to my original point uh someone had asked fedor about you know fighting other russian fighters and he said early in his career he didn't have a ton of control over his contracts but as he came into like you know, the post-Pride stage of his career, Strike Force and all that, and now with Bellator, he has it written in his contract that he doesn't have to fight other Russian fighters. Wow, So I know that. Yeah, you don't see a ton of that. So right here, you have these two Russians fighting each other, and basically what one of the reporters asked Shlomenko today is like, do you have a problem with this? And I heard that you were willing 
to take this fight against a fellow Russian because you just want to finish your Bellator contract as soon as possible because you're not pleased with your situation there. And he basically confirmed that was the truth. Yeah. So that's kind of compelling. You know, it seems it's very interesting. Like that doesn't happen like anywhere else. Like Americans will fight Americans. There's Brazilians a fight little Brazilians. bit of that with Brazilians. Like yeah. sometimes a little bit see if, it, if they're if they're close within. Yeah. Like they maybe worked at some of the same like camps this. and stuff, but not like this. This is that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So. You know, potentially Shlomenko right now he has the most wins, knockouts, fights in Bellator middleweight history. Yeah, that's crazy. So like, he's a guy that's made a huge impact in that organization for all intents and purposes. This could possibly be his last fight. So that's kind of compelling. And uh, you know, I am interested in the Czech Congo Tim T Johnson fight. It yeah. could be garbage. It could be it such could. a bad fight. Like that's one thing. It's in the middle of the card. It could bring this thing to a grinding halt and be so bad. But Czech Congo, man, like. 43, 43 years old. We mentioned him earlier. He has won six fights in a row. He has yeah. the most wins in Bellator heavyweight history. Like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. you know, for what he's accomplished, you could make a strong argument that if he wins this fight, he should be fighting the winner of this Bellator heavyweight tournament. Yeah. Like, he has made his mark. So we'll see what happens there. And Timothy Johnson, I mean, he had his ups and downs in the UFC. He sure. had seven fights there, and it was win-loss, win-loss, win-loss the entire time there. But... He's coming in and you know maybe he can bring Congo's streak to a halt and kind of put himself in that conversation. Yeah. So I'm gonna stay positive on that fight. I'm hoping it's a, I'm hoping that's a brawl. I'm gonna stay positive and hope that it's not of they're being too respectful and just kind of walk around a little bit until it somebody lasts a, a couple yeah, of yeah, it could be I'm a hoping they just kinda go in there and somebody just Somebody just throws down. And then uh, last thing, I mean, we have the MMA debut of Robson Gracie Jr. on the prelims. That's kind of your, I guess, quote-unquote featured prelim that has. Yeah. And, you know, anytime a Gracie fights in MMA, I can't remember his exact relationship. I think he's, yeah. the, I think he's the nephew of Henzo Gracie. Oh, okay, well, that's close like that. enough. Yeah, something, you know, something like some, that. You know, because sometimes, yeah, you, you find that the lineage is questionable and they're down the, down the line <laughs> right. somewhere, you know. So that's cool. That's legit. That's legit. Yeah, so you never know. Yeah. I mean, they have a very successful Gracie right now, Neiman Gracie, so maybe he can you know, do some work there as well. Yeah. All right, well, then finally, before we toss it back over to John, I will let you jump on the main card and give me your thoughts about, or I'm sorry, the main event, Chael Sonnen and Fedor. Uh, how did you go? How did you lean on your staff pick? I picked Chael, which, I mean, I have no idea, man. I don't yeah. know how you, this is one of those fights, like, I thought Chael was going to have a real tough time with Rampage, and he right. went in there and outstruck him. Right. Like, you have no idea. Chael is so unpredictable. Right. And everyone thinks, oh, he's going to get destroyed in the stand-up, uh, all that stuff. Crazily enough, I believe you know, Mark Ramondi of MMA Fighting told me that when Chael got dropped by Vanderlei in his fight, that was the only time he's ever been knocked down in his MMA career wow. by a standing strike. Like, of course, he fell over himself against Anderson Silva going for that ridiculous yeah. spinning back. Oh, that was but ridiculous. Like, you know, a clean knockdown. Cost him the so fight. It did. So you just never know what's going to happen there. Yeah. I mean, I think Chael could you know, take him down, and all he has to do is win two of three rounds and avoid yeah. the knockdown. And for him someone like Chael with his wrestling it only takes two takedowns yep. to get that done so if he gets him down you're right he could keep him down but so I either see that happening or during one of those takedowns Fedor gets one of his crazy arm bars from on bottom or something because yeah. he's so good at doing that and Chael Sonnen you know he has 15 losses and I think the large majority of them are by submissions yeah. so I could I kind of see it going they one of those from two behind ways. submissions after he's been ground and pounding or laying and yeah <laughs> so I, I think that fight it's, it's going to be very interesting it's the most interesting compelling fight of the weekend for sure it's the biggest fight of the weekend yeah. you know the most you look at 
our traffic, what's clicking and stuff. That's the most you know, fascinating and most intriguing to our readers as well as I think. So yep. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Which way did you go on that? I went with Fedor in that, you know, and I was the same, just same that some of the things you touched on. I think when it came to the striking, you know, was thinking that Fedor is going to get that shot, you know, just like when he went in with Mir, I was like, yeah, Mir's got this, Mir's got this. And he, he just polished on Mir. He yeah. studied Mir's tendencies. Like he knew exactly how he was going to lean in there and worked his shots. So even though he's not the most outspoken, this is the kind of guy that even though he does say that he doesn't watch stuff during fight week, he does watch it leading up. So I think he knows Chael's tendencies. I think if he, if anything, he's going to know his tells of when Chael wants to try to make a dive in there and try to go in for a grab. And I'm thinking that he's going to catch him on one of these shots. That being said, watching Chael at the open workout, his hands looked a lot better than what I remember. Mm -hmm. He at least seemed more into the striking. He had quickness. His uh, The way that he was working out with his... Uh, his striking coach you could tell he'd been working on it i mean his hands were sharp the the, the coach was calling out things chael was getting it and he was his steps looked good in fact and people are gonna blast me for this how close he was working <coughs> and the timing with uh his striking coach looked better to me than what Cha uh connor looked with roddy that last open workout that we saw and not saying that people are like, oh, the strike is two totally different. But in terms of watching the open workout and being like, wow, his striking looks on point for him. From where we've seen Connors, his striking didn't look on point from that open workout. Watching Chael, Chael's striking for him. For each guy in, you know, in their own right, Chael's striking looked good, which made me think, wow. Maybe the stand-up game isn't so one-sided in this particular area. When, Because you're right, most people in me along that same lines we're like all right if it's going to stay up fader's going to get him he's got the power he's going to get him but watching chael it's the kind of guy that you're like people underestimate him and Ch and that's they the thing do. people his underestimate his striking and he's got some power is it the same power as fader no but he has power enough to where he can land a shot stun you get you off guard and get you down and in this case that's all he needs mm -hmm. you know so fader needs to be wary of that if chael catches him with one of these shots and kind of stuns him that's all that's all that's all chael needs he just needs an open he just needs an opening so i'm going to stick with my pick i mean well it's too late the the picks are on the site but uh you know but i felt a little bit more like i could have picked wrong by leaving fedor so but that was my pick in that situation but i, I went with the the man himself but what does fedor think of the ufc 229 brawl do you think he's been asked enough times this week? I he's think every, asked so many I think times. every single interview, and you know, no offense to any fellow yeah. media members, because we've asked, we asked it too. It's, a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a legitimate it's a legit question, question. But, it's a legit question. You know, he made it very clear, you know, starting I think as far back as you know, Monday or Tuesday, that he didn't watch it. Yeah, he's not watching it. These things during fight week, he doesn't have an opinion on it. Yeah, and. Every single day, he's just been asked it continuously, yeah. and his answer has not changed. So, well, there was a part of that, you yeah. know, that struck me in little weird things that I pick up in like the presser. You know, you would think that most of us are asking this because just like when you hear about how a lot of Russians don't want to fight other Russians, there is a lot of Russian pride, and people are paying attention. I think fighters pay attention to what other fighters are doing. So, you would think, yes, he's paying attention to what's going on about anybody that could be out there fighting. But the thing that struck me today was when he was talking about his fighting, 
And the, one of the, the Russian media guys asked him if he was hoping to get back into Russia. He was like, it doesn't matter. I don't care if I fight in Russia mm-hmm. again. Which, to me, struck me as like, okay, maybe things aren't the best or whatever for him to not want to go back and fight in Russia. Maybe think, okay, well, maybe he doesn't really, he's not all that into the whole, it's Russia or nothing else sort yeah. of thing. You know, he's about him. He's about his career. He's taking him all over the place. So when I heard that, it kind of struck me as like, maybe he didn't really pay attention to all this other shit. Yeah. It's a different organization, different weight classes, guys that he's never going to fight. And he's not buying into the whole, hey, this is somebody that was part of the, the Russians or part of one of the Russian caucuses or something. He just doesn't care, you know? So It's weird. Like, you would think, though, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, him and Habib are... The mo- two most famous, successful Russian fighters in MMA history. In MMA, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there's, I'm sure there's Russian boxers. Yeah, yeah. Other people, I mean, I'm speaking MMA exclusively. And you would think, just like, he hears about this, he asks, asks so many times, like, that know, how much, watch it how much downtime does he have during this week? Like, you'd think he'd be like, oh, Jerry Millen, like, pull it up on your iPhone. I'm, I'm yeah. curious. And I don't believe that he hasn't seen it. I think he just maybe doesn't want to say something and maybe have his comments yeah. misinterpreted one way or the other and have that's it probably blow true. up in the russian media because a lot stuff, of the shit especially it got very political mm-hmm. in the whole lead up with kabim and because you Connors. Said, i think it's he probably smart enough to know that once you open up that avenue then, then the goes, political talk then comes what in. do you think of the putin what do you think about the putin relationship and it. just all these million things like so it's yeah, better just say i didn't watch it's it. very intelligent on his behalf because yeah. it opens a whole floodgate and that's what all the Fedor stories would be about this week. Like we wrote a story, yeah. uh, you know, being like, he said he doesn't get bothered by Chael Son's trash talk, stuff yeah. like that. Like the little things, the few nuggets we can get out of him, but that would have dominated Even made headline. light when he said like, he didn't look good with his clothes on or yeah, something. Yeah, like, but I if it was like, said, you know, Habib <laughs> acted unprofessionally or like something <laughs> like that, or like, you know, did anything that was negative, that right. would have been the top stories, the big headlines all week. And, you know, maybe it would have been good for us traffic wise. Cause we would have, you know, that's what everyone would have pushed. But for him, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's true. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've, I think we've wasted enough of your guys' time. You know, we got a few cold Budweiser's. That frosty normal. beverages. Isn't that Couple, how they're yeah, referred to better, on this Better is frosty beverages than cold Budweiser's. <laughs> we didn't have our normal flavor here but you know you take what you can get at the uh hilton garden Garden melville Melville, you know it's like yeah it's whatever (laughs) so we're going to toss it back to john but first let's take you to the interview that young mike bond here did with chael sonnen post the bellator 208 press conference today Okay, so uh, Chael, we just wrapped up the pre-fight press conference. Just your initial thoughts. How did you feel about it? You know, one of your final stare-downs with oh, Theodore. It, it, it's a total snooze fest. I mean, I don't know why it has to be this way, right? I, I don't know why they wouldn't just do what you have the insight to do. Grab me, turn the camera on, and, and let's rock and roll. I, I, I've sold more pay-per-views than anybody, more tickets than anybody. That was on the other side of the bridge. Now I'm over here with the boys in San Jose. I still got the live gate record. I did it a, a year ago at MSG, and nobody's touched it since. I will outdo myself once again. Beat my own records. It's the same thing I've had to do my whole career. And nobody else wants to talk to anybody else. And I'm not even trying to be an arrogant prick about it. I realize how that sounds. Why would they have a press conference and bring other people in here? What the hell does anybody want to ask them for? I'm looking around the stage. Bunch of very nice guys. Bunch of guys that I, I, I like very much. 
I know they were on the card till they sat down here today. I love the sport. I'm going to follow very closely. I have the foggiest idea. And neither did you, and neither did anybody else. And uh, I'm just looking around going, you know, we really could have saved some time. You know, speaking of saving time, if there's a quick fight up in the Mohegan Sun, they can just bring one of those sons of bitches down here. I'll fight them tomorrow night. We can save Bellator on, uh, on the travel money. I don't have any idea why we have to spread this thing out. People are talking about a, a quick turnaround to January 26th. What's quick about that? Let's go in the back, let's have a drink of water, and let's walk back out there. If i got to change my shorts so there's a red corner, blue corner, let's do it. Matt Mitrione is saying I'm too small to win this tournament. Well, I'll cut him in half and fight him twice. What do I give a damn what Matt Mitrione thinks? He can bring himself and Ryan Bader. I've been walking around like he's some kind of an ape. I'll treat him like an ape. I'll, I'll sit in the crowd tomorrow night and throw bananas at him. What was your expectation when they booked this fight? I know you say you don't sell fights, but you know there is some build leading up to it. Did you expect Fedor to just be this dismissive, this you know not willing to give any answers, not really willing to say much of anything at all? Yeah, because I've seen him do it before, you know, and it's, it seems to work. He shows up in a language that nobody can understand, in a T-shirt that nobody can read. And somehow that gets over, and I wouldn't encourage any young fighter to copy that example unless you want to have a short career and no money and bad memories when it's over. I would encourage you to find another guy and take his paradigm, but it seems to work for him, and I'm not really saying this to be the skunk at the garden party as much as just point out to it, look, he figured something out. Lesnar in many parts is the same way. There's a mystique around him that just happens to work, and less is more, and if he opens his mouth, he runs the risk of ruining the mystique, so it's still a marketing angle it's still a gimmick and people can choose to believe that he's the, he's the world's nicest guy and he might be but he might not you don't know him and neither do I do you believe that he hasn't watched the Habib thing you know the, all the brawl or do you think he's just kind of declining to comment because he maybe doesn't want to ruffle feathers back home he's a nerd man I don't know what nerds do you know I satisfy the other end of the market the cool kids come watch Chael fight I don't have any idea you know he's walking around he's he, he's holding the King James I mean you know I mean, keep that stuff private I, I don't know who do you, cares if he watched it or he didn't watch it who gives a damn if he watched it well, you watched it. Did you see Habib's ultimatum that he posted today saying, you know, if the UFC releases his teammates, he's going to walk or, you know, he wants to be released or whatever that actually meant? Mm, no, I didn't see that. But that that adds a uh, piece of drama to it. Wow. That's fun. He said that? Yeah. He wow. said, yeah. He said if uh, you cut Zabira, if you cut you know, these guys, you know, I'm gone. These are my brothers. I'm loyal to them. So it's, you know, either all of us or none of us. Oh, wow. No, I didn't see that. But uh, my initial thoughts is I will sit back and see how this plays out. That That sounds juicy. Absolutely. So you know, we're a couple days away. What's your weight right now? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, but I in the 220s. Yeah, uh, 223, 224 is probably a good guess. And you mentioned Matt Matrone earlier. Uh, I spoke with him yesterday. He said if it ends up being you versus Bader in the final, it discredits Bellator's heavyweight division completely. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it discredits all the heavyweights uh, completely. You know, the, the best thing to do with heavyweights is to keep them a hell from any, way, any other weight class. They're the worst athletes in the room. They're the slowest guys in the room. They're the laziest guys in the room, which is why they weigh so goddamn much. And if you want to keep the mystique going on through the public that size matters and, and the big guys are better just because they're bigger, if you want to keep that false narrative out there, keep us real athletes away from the heavyweights. I think it was a risky move. They tried it on the other side of the tracks too, and a, a light heavyweight now has that strap too. Yeah, yeah, heavyweights suck. Mitrion is right. There you go, getting the news up there, the feel on the ground from out there, Bellator land, back-to-back -back events, man, uh, pretty impressive stuff, 
not the first time or the or the last time I should say they'll be doing that this year. Uh, they've got a couple other opportunities planned, including back-to-back events in Honolulu, Hawaii. Man, I am anxious to get the December travel assignments, man. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's December 15th. Good Lord. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I will be on the road on December 15th, and I will either be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for UFC on Fox 31, which let me say right now, Kevin Lee versus Ally Quinta is a, is a phenomenal fight, and Milwaukee is actually a cool town, man. It is. But I don't know about it in December. <laughs> I've only been there during the summertime, man, and it was all right. I don't know about Milwaukee in December. So we'll either be covering uh, UFC on Fox 31 in Milwaukee or the back-to-back Bellator events in Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, I can tell you which one I want to be at. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, I guess it's up to Simon Samana to decide who goes where and, and uh, of course, our, our corporate overlords over at USA Today. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be in Hawaii for that. I don't, I don't think I'll be the only media member. Uh, saying that. So uh, back-to-back events this week, of course, we'll find out who is in the, the, the Grand Prix Finals. Got a couple other big fights there as well. PFL as well on a Saturday night. Man, you know, I've enjoyed PFL. I, I really have. I think the concept has been phenomenal, man. I, I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. It, it, the, just uh, seeing the standings and how it worked out, and now you got the playoffs. But this is rough for them, man. They get to their playoffs, and the first week is, is Connor and Habib. And then the second week is, is, is these back-to-back Bellator events. So of course, they're getting a ton of media there. Um, and, and, of course, you know, a lot of people paying attention. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe people tune in. I'll have, I'll, have two different, I'll have two different TVs going, that's for sure. They're right at the same time, too. The main cards of PFL 9 and, and Bellator 28 are exactly the same time. So kind of unfortunate for PFL because I do think they've got a good thing going. And I do think that they, once they write those million-dollar checks – um, you know, I think they're going to get a lot of attention there as well. So, anyway, uh, yeah, definitely excited for those. Definitely will be watching PFL as well. And then uh, next week will be a little bit lighter week. We, we, the PFL will will have the evening of Saturday night all to itself for uh, for PFL 10. That morning there will be a Cage Warriors show. Uh, the day before there's an LFA and a Fight Nights Global as well. So, something I noticed this week, by the way, just as a as a service. Now, I don't know if this is everywhere because um, I don't know how the regional restrictions work. But DAZN in the United States, um, if you if you've signed up for DAZN um, for Bellator, they're adding it more MMA. They've they've added Combate Americas, and I think the Combate Americas actually debuted right before uh, Bellator did. So Combate Americas is on there. KSW is on there, which KSW uh, used to be a pay-per-view for uh, American fans. KSW is fun. Uh, they, they, it's a throwback to Pride, man. I mean, they have, they admit, you know, basically they were huge fans of Pride, and they were like, why can't we do something like that? So it is massive, over the top. Um, they've got that. Uh, they've got EFC from Africa, which has been a top African promotion for a long time. And the other day, I saw a Fight Nights Global logo on there. Um, and then I went back to check it later, and it was gone. So I don't know if it was premature. Maybe there's a deal that's not quite inked yet. Um, but Fight Nights Global, you know, they were kind of building some momentum, and then they had some issues with uh, some of their financial backing. Um, and, and, you know, they kind of disappeared for a little bit. But they're, they're starting to get going again, and I, I love it, man. If they're going to get on to zone, I mean, uh, listen, I, you know, I, the, the, the amount of streaming services we have now is getting a little excessive. But, you know, if we can collect a whole bunch of – 
MMA promotions and put them under under one roof and and, and one price. I'm down for that. You know, we got one championship uh, streaming for free now. Um, so you know, I dig that. I think I think that's good stuff. Uh, I don't know how many streaming services we can all afford, but um, I dig that. So something worth checking on the zone again. I don't know if it's if it works everywhere, if that's just the United States or what. So anyway, listen. Like I said, we'll be on vacation next week. I'm gonna be working this weekend, Friday and Saturday night, and then as soon as Bellator 28 is over, I am off for a week. That doesn't mean there won't be a road show. I'll still get together with my man Cole Coffee. We will have some content for you. Um, I did find it. Daniel Cormier is going to be in Vegas. That'll be next Friday. They're going to do a media day uh, next Friday in Las Vegas, the uh, 19th, that would be. So won't have that on the road show, but just an, an idea that we're going to have some content coming your way. So anyway, listen, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And uh, apologies again for no and a half. That was terrible. That's the worst one I've ever done. <laughs> Apologies for no and a half. Uh, but hopefully you understand. And uh, what a crazy week it was at USC 229. It's still going on. And, of course, we'll have that. Uh, we'll have coverage of that as it goes on as well. In the meantime, I, I'm going to go say hello to this uh, wife and kid again. Got to try to be a responsible family man. As long as I'm home in Las Vegas for a while, might as well do the right thing. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.